welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and in today's session, we've got Steve McCoy from Small Circle, and he's sharing some real tools specifically designed for the everyday person in your church to help them be involved in disciple making at an in-depth level. These tools are available for free at smallcircle.com, by the way, so make sure to check that out. The idea is that you've got truck driver Ted and soccer mom Sally in your church right now as we speak. And the only way to have a thriving disciple-making culture in your local church is if those everyday Ted's and Sally's are involved. Let's listen in and hear what Steve has to say and hear these tools that we can be using at our church to build this disciple-making culture there. Enjoy the episode. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm a lead pastor in uh, Sarasota, Florida. We've had some action there in the recent weeks, as you've seen in the news. Uh, and so uh, some of you were here yesterday. I always like to catch up for about two minutes as to where we're going and what's happening with Small Circle. Uh, so um, we'll do that right after I pray. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for a beautiful morning here. And uh, pray, God, for your navigation in our minds our hearts in a conference again it's so so much information god so we're going to ask you to help um, vet it um, mentally and emotionally for us and filter the things that we uh, that you have intended for us to hear absorb to act uh, on and uh, so we pray for this session and pray god that you would do exactly that just pray for all the things that we've brought into this room uh, that may be distracting us, just pray that you'll unclutter our hearts, our minds, so that we can hear from you. Thank you so much, God, for Jesus today. Thank you that you have new mercies ready for us and grace. And thank you, God, for loving us more than we could ever imagine. And so we love you back today and worship you before we get going. And uh, you're worthy of our of our praise, you're worthy of our uh, following of you, or you're worthy of our commitment and our surrender. So we surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me give you just kind of a brief uh, scoop of a small circle if you didn't, uh, weren't here yesterday. And I promise for those of you that were, I'll just spend uh, 120 seconds kind of bringing people up and not, not boring you with a rerun. So uh, basically in our church culture, we have t uh, we operate uh, quite often in two circles, a big circle and, and uh, a mid-sized circle. Nothing wrong with these circles, by the way. We, uh, we embrace them. This represents the big circle, represents uh, worship gathering, typically, uh, for us in North America on a, in a weekend. This mid-sized circle represents groups of some kind. That could be home groups, Bible studies, adult Sunday school classes, whatever that might be. And so these are circles that Jesus used. Uh, he had the crowds, he had the 12, he had the three. And then we also see in his ministry that small circle that we often overlook, which is a one-to-one -one dynamic. And so that one-to-one -one, one -one dynamic with Jesus would be John. We looked at the distinctions and the closeness and the intimacy that Jesus had with John yesterday and, and what a powerful uh, relationship that was and unique. But then we also looked at the one-to-one -one intersections that Jesus often had. And uh, today we're going to dig a little deeper in that. So when he spoke to Nicodemus, when Jesus spoke to Martha, the woman at the well, there were two things in that relation, those intersections that we're going to kind of highlight in our session today that I think are critical. And if I might be honest, yeah, I celebrated my 40th year in ministry uh, this year. Uh, so I have earned the right to have some experience and speak from experience that I think are not only critical, but they're critically missing. And uh, we looked yesterday at the culture around us and that how there's a, a need for uh, healing in our country, in our world, and also in our church culture. Good morning. Come on in. And so we, uh, so we focus on one-to-one. Uh, -one. And we would say in our church, we planted a church about 15 years ago. We have two, two of these, two worship services on a Sunday. We have about 35 of these. So this so, so small circle is not anti these circles. It's really adding a circle that we propose has been missing. And, and so that's kind of where we land, all right? 
So one of the things that you will hear uh, this week, I've already heard it several times, and I'm thrilled to hear it, is that the only way to have a movement of disciple making is when you have everyday and people involved. So often, it's surprising, we kind of know this theory, we know this statement, this truth, this reality, and yet in so many churches that I have interacted with, not only in the U.S., but around the world, um, that disciple-making tends to be top-heavy. That means leadership-heavy. And so if you ask you know, a pastor, hey, you got discipleship in your church? Yes, I disciple three. I'm like, okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the general movement of, of, of how this uh, movement is going to uh, work, this culture is going to work. It's a DNA. So um, I'm going to use today as an example soccer mom Sally and truck driver Ted. Soccer mom Sally, has uh, she's a single mom. She has two children, elementary school. She works uh, uh, 9 to 5. She wakes up at O'Dark 100, so she can pack those lunches and get everything ready. She takes the kids to school. They're in an after-school program because she needs a full-time job. She picks those kids up around 5.30. She gets home. It's dinner time. She's going she's gonna to fix dinner. She's going to get those, the homework projects going. Uh, she's going to then do bath time. She's going to do bedtime. And uh, about 8.30, Sally's pretty darn tired. And she's going to wake up the next morning, and it's going to be rinse and repeat. And she's going to wake up the next morning, and it's going to be rinse and repeat. And she doesn't get a big break. Sometimes in the church culture, what happens is we, we ask Sally to be faithful to this circle, to the big circle. In fact, she has kids. You have, she has kids in, the, you know, in the, the kids program. Hey, can you volunteer here? We ask Sally to be part of a group, and we're going to do that every single week. And, uh, and we would ask her to have, you know, encourage her to have friends that don't know Christ yet. So you know, build those relationships. And then uh, on top of that, we're going to ask her to, to be disciple and discipleship. And so often, this is the little olive that's on the side of the plate because we haven't left room for her to be able to do that. So I'm going to make proposals. When I do a training, it's just proposals. I don't like coming in with, here's the exact only way to do things, but I'm going to make some proposals. So here's the first one. Um, I would do away with these two circles. I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're aware. <laughs> like, dang it. Where's the next track? <laughs> so, no. So when we planted the church, so I had uh, just different experiences. I served a dozen years in a 5,000-member church, and so had that experience, you know, had experience of serving in a church in Indiana that was, you know, uh, 50 people on a, on a Sunday morning on a good Sunday. And so, you know, having all of those experiences. And the thing that you realize is that, Hey, people are people, and people are busy no matter if you work on a farm or if you work in the city. And so um, when we planted the church, we were serious about saying, how do we centralize this small circle and not put it as, a, as an extra, as an aside? So here's what we did. And we've had churches that have made this change. I will say there's a lot of hardship in planting a church. There's a lot of beauty in it also because you get to set your DNA I've, I've uh, served in a revitalization uh, situation. Maybe some of you have. That means 1.5 feet in the ground, and uh, it's almost dead, and you come in and try to change and turn the Titanic. Uh, I'm asking God that I never do have to do that again. <laughs> and some of you may be in that. It's a beautiful thing when it works, and uh, but it's challenging. So, um, So I recognize that you know, and you're given structures, wow, that would be a tough thing to do. So here's what we did. We did this every other week. We put, out of compassion for Sally, we put, uh, we put groups every other week. And we've heard churches that have changed to that, and it has worked beautifully. So again, I'm not saying, hey, go home and kill groups. I'm not saying that, or even do what I'm saying. I'm just getting your thoughts. I think these conferences are good for getting your thoughts going. So we did it every other week for this reason. Now she can do both, and it's not a choice of one or the other. And it, I'll tell you, so we planned it 15, 16 years ago. That rhythm has worked beautifully. You know, you get some things right, you get some things not so right. So that one's one that, we, that has worked for us. Because so this week, for example, in our church is group week. So all of our groups meet 
and you know, humans, hard to herd cats, somebody wants to do it every week and somebody wants to do it on the other week. So we, we kind of work hard saying, no, this is how we do it. And uh, for the reasons of compassion towards Sally, and we put this every other week. And then the next week, there's nothing. There's no programs, there's no activities, there's a nothing week. We call it empty parking space. So we want to give Sally an opportunity to do this. So that's, that's one of the practical reasons, uh, uh, one of the ways that we get people in. We're going to look at some of our tools today. Um, and I do that cautiously because I, you know, we don't, you, know, you didn't come just to look at somebody else's tools, et cetera. But let me say from the beginning that um, about 10 years ago, I had a Jacob wrestling match with God. Something was off. I knew something was off. I got away for a few days, spent some time with, with the Lord and said, hey, is it my marriage? Is it my pastoring? Is it my parenting? You know, so I'm putting all these things on the table and just saying, hey, what is it? And when I got around to the money part, that was it. I could, I don't say it lightly. There was just a deep sense of affirmation and peace. Like, yep, we need to talk about that. So we, we and and what God has done with that since then has been just incredible because he always, you know, is four million years ahead of us. So it's easy for him to speak to us. And so, um, uh, so good morning. Come on in. No problem at all. Uh, so, um, so we at that moment said, okay, God, we're going to receive zero profit from these tools. So we're going to give them away. We recognize that over 80% of churches in the U.S. are under 150 people. They have tight budgets. Then God opened up the globe to us. We're in over 100 countries, 110 or so, 50 languages. We cover all those expenses, printing, translations, et cetera. So God has opened up the door. So I say that so we can breathe easily. So it's not like, on the way out, buy my book for $14.99. If you want to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, so I... I want to show you the angle of the tools, again, with this mindset. How do we get everyday people involved? Now, what I'm, here's what I mean by that, because I want to really have a definition. How do we get them involved where they can do it with their schedules? I've already talked about that. But how do we do it and get them here? That's a real, that seems easier than you might think. I believe that it's easier to get them here it's, it's a little more tough to get them here, but the, how do we get them here? How do we get everyday people at a table for two? Because yesterday we talked about uh, that we're created in this intimate design with relational intimate design, right? And then, but you know, Adam blew it, Adam and Eve blew it, and then we're hiding and then we're broken. And we're, so we're like, I don't want to, I, I kind of want to share because I'm designed that way. I want to be James 5, 16, you know, confess my sins, but do, I'm not doing that. You know, so there's that inner tension. So it's, e it's not as easy to get them here. So I want to talk a, a little bit about that. Okay. So um, when we look at uh, our tools and, and I think any tools, the question I'm going to ask you is, um, if you um, if you were going to sit down and write some tools, uh, then I would say we we kind of start with a journey. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of a uh, a feel for this. So sometimes when we talk about tools, there's some upsides and downsides. Our job, I believe, one of our primary jobs as pastors, leaders, for those of you that are, fit that role, is to equip. Right? We've got to provide equipment if this is going to be an everyday person uh, using them. I'll tell you why. If you, if for the, those of you that speak on, on the weekends, if you get up to your church and say, hey, go make disciples, everybody's going to be like, okay, got it. Jesus said it, got it. That's great commission, got it. Everybody's going to be on, on target. And you say, okay, one, two, three, ready, go. Go do it. You'll see a bunch of deer with head, in the headlights, right? Because most people don't, disciple not because they're rebellious but because they feel inadequate and so that's when we come in that's our job to say let me equip you so if you're going to equip somebody guess what it seems simple got to give them equipment right and so when you look at tools i just want to kind of be uh straight up here are some downsides of using tools we we have to just kind of put the elephant in the room number one information transfer ah, I hate it we live in the information uh, generation. Actually, 
you're going to see we're, we're past the information generation. We're to another generation. But we, we're live, we've lived through this information generation where you can get the best apologists, the best preachers, the best Bible teachers, blah, blah, blah. You know, to be honest with you, I think the older I get, the more it falls out of my brain. You know, so anytime I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about the Babylonian exile, I got to Google it. Okay, when was that? <laughs> I mean, you, we, we got so much information. So one of the things that when you're using tools, it can become Sunday schoolish. You know, hey, Bob, would you put on question three? So how do we get, how do we get past that? So we're, we'll talk about it. They can be academic and dry, and they can miss that life-on-life -life experience. So these are the downsides of, of tools. Obviously, I feel like the upsides outweigh the downsides because there's an up and down of everything. First of all, and at the top of the list, it builds confidence. It builds confidence. I can't tell you. One, the greatest thrill that I have as a pastor is to see people that would never, ever have been discipling, and now they are. Just because you said, let me help you with that, and we, you can do it, and then and they get thrilled about it, and it's, it's super cool. Uh, replication. So um, my organic friends uh, who said, I don't need that, here's what I think happens. In every church I've ever served, there are two or three or four Yodas. Right. In other words, they they can go to Panera and they are super gifted and I admire them. They can go to like, hey, how's it going? Uh, oh, man, I'm kind of struggling with this that, and the other. Oh, let me just go right over here. To Jeremiah, you know, 13, blah, blah, blah. And they do it. And it seems like, wow, man, I, I'm impressed. I, you know, so and they just have that kind of that life organic feel. Here's the problem. The more you sit with a person like that, the more you feel inadequate that you can also do it. It's a wonderful experience to receive that, but then like, okay, baton goes to you, you go do it. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, usually work. So I see very little replication in an organic approach without tools. I'll go ahead and say to you that when people ask, what, what is the success rate, which for, for one of the success measures for us is disciples who are now disciple makers. What is that success rate with these tools? It's over 80%. And the, re and the reason is part, is part of the design. So when I, we planted the church, I looked at a lot of different tools. I, I championed those tools, but I was looking for something, some things specific, and this was one of them. Built into the DNA of the tool, how are we preparing that disciple to become a disciple maker eventually? So I'm going to show you how how we approach that okay um, it keeps people on track you know to be honest with you when we uh, were excited about one-to-one -one disciple making one of the fears I had concerns I had as a pastor is like okay what if Bob is discipling Mark and Bob is super up on Revel the book of Revelation and he just can't wait to talk about you know the beast and revelation on session one <laughs> hey Bob back it down just a little bit yeah <laughs> So uh, when you have tools, you have the, you, you, you know, you got some you know, guardrails here and some boundaries. And then uh, I believe that they can be comprehensive. Okay, so that's where, here's what I mean by it. So let's say, for example, you have a, a disciple, let's call him Marco, and he's going to run this track. So Stephen Covey uh, told us that we begin with the end in mind. That's true for if you're studying to be a CPA or a doctor. Here's what you'll need to be and know when you get out. Therefore, we're going to back it up and then we're going to say, okay, then how does this all work then within uh, to, to get us from point A to B? So we're going to begin with the end of mind. So four simple things, n nothing earth shattering here. I would say that when Marco finishes, what do we want him to know and who do we want him to be? Right? There's the relationship and there's the content. And so we want him to have a solid foundation in the basics, the, ba the basic fundamentals of the faith. If we did a, a street interview of church folk in our churches, it might be a little discombobulating, a little bit disconcerting to like, Tell us about the resurrection, why that's important. One, two, three, ready, go. <laughs> you know? um, and so we want, the, we want to build some strong foundation. We also, what if Marco just had, you know those people that just have that passionate surrender life to, to, to the Lord? Uh, 
What if he had that kind of a relationship? That's what we're after. We're not just trying to get him to know more about God. We're trying to get him to love God and fall in love and, and live that kind of life. What if Marco could have the types of relationships that we were, we're talking about here? Not just these, but these. So I will say, as a pastor, um, and, you know, when I hang my hat up uh, for the final day and someone would say, someone would ask, what was your great dis disappointment as a pastor for being a pastor for decades? The answer will be easy for me. The, the answer for me is the immature way that I have observed that Christians handle conflict, period. With all the mercy that we've received, all the grace that we have, all the, all the talking about forgiveness since 70 times 7 and bear with one another, love one another, forgive one another, so many. It's a little surprising that like we haven't been able to like, hey, come on, let's work through this. And so I know if you've been in ministry any amount of time, you'd probably share that. So how do we, how do we dig down deep and really have a different community? I read a lot of books and a lot of times I, I just read a book and, and the, the, I'm like, did he actually say that? And the book is that we, we can eradicate selfishness in our churches. I'm like, I'd love to go to that church. <laughs> I'd love to be the pastor of that church where we have eradicated. <laughs> did you say eradicate? <laughs> so at any rate, I don't think it's ever possible, but you know, we can, we can take a shot. Now, if Marco has a solid, uh, understanding of, you know, the, the basic attendance of the faith, has a passionate relationship with, with the Lord, is really growing and being a mature relational person. And we missed this last one. We've really blown it. Because this is all uh, taking in. We, he's got to be a multiplier. So I would propose to you that, um, that we're not making disciples. We're making disciple makers. We're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So in our church, for example, we're on our fifth coming into our sixth generation. That means we have great, 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 great grandfathers. That's, if I might say, freaking exciting. <laughs> That's really exciting. And it really, it really, um, now, uh, my wife always reminds me of this. Is it perfect at our church? No, it's not. We have some pairs that don't make it, some pairs that, you know, blah, 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 whatever. It's a human experience, but we're positioning ourselves more for this to happen. All right. So that's kind of um, that's, I, I think, so important. So let me show you then how we take these these three areas and say, OK, so here's our one of our main tools. It's called exchange. The title is X as a multiplication symbol in mathematics. So we're multiplying change. And you'll notice there's a red circle in the middle of that. And so if you superimpose these over a football field, uh, like this, and you come down to the last 20 yards, it's called the what? The red zone. That's the toughest place. It should be tough. Disciple making should be tough. It should be messy. It should be like uh, keep you up at night sometimes, praying over things, etc. So that's where we get the title. Okay, so each of these, so we have four what we call modules. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we have four modules, and they really tackle these areas. Each of these modules has six sessions in it. And uh, so here's the second thing. So when we say, hey, you know, um, a proposal is to interweave the, the groups and the one-to-one, -one. Um, the, the second proposal is I highly suggest that you don't meet, if you, if you use these tools, don't meet every week with the tools. Because it's going to seem like it's about the information. You need to go have lunch together on the off week. You need to go take a walk. You need to go to a ball game. You need to go play ping pong, whatever, you know, bowl, or whatever is fun for you. You know, go fishing or, you know, uh, I just realized I don't do any of that. I don't think I have enough fun. <laughs> All right. So um, each of these have. So when you when you look at uh, like zero in on them, let me just kind of give you an idea. And so you, you'll notice, by the way, um, that each. So the first book is zero. 
The second book is one. The third book is two. The fourth book is three. This has frustrated people around the world to my <laughs> great delight. <laughs> I love it because it's going to make them think. Basically, the reason behind it is this is ground level zero, how to make God first, two, you know, how to have two relationships and baby makes three, right? So we're multiplying. So it does have some kind of, you know, rhyme and reason to it. And so each of these, as I said, has um, as a um, uh, six sessions and they uh, all have to do with the number. So zero origin is why did God make you? We take it back to Adam, what's our purpose in here? Second zero is being born again. Uh, no exceptions, we've all you know, fallen sinners. Zero gravity is uh, the, uh, the cross taking the gravity of sin and shame. No fear, uh, uh, you know, resurrection and no way possible without the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when you look at these, you think, okay, that seems pretty normal. There's nothing, you know, uh, like, you know, fall out of your chair about that. Let me tell you a distinction. Each of these are, are designed and I'm, I'm going to say this unashamedly, they're designed for a one-to-one -one setting. Some people say, can I use your tools in a group? I'm like, you can do whatever you want, but it's not designed for that. So because I think there are tremendous, a volume of, of uh, you know, collections and curriculum and all that written for groups. So I would say, don't use this. Go, go find a group curriculum if that's, you know, what your approach is going to be. And I say that with honor. I'm like, uh, man, I can show you stuff that's better for groups. This is designed specifically for one-to-one. -one. Here's where it makes a difference. We're not just going to talk about, let's say, um, just the, the fallen, fallenness of, of the human race. We're going to zero that in on an individual. And we're going to say, how does this affect you? How does this? And so you can talk a bit different in the in, in the one-to-one. -one. So let me, let me, um, I'm going to put this over here because we'll be dead if we bleed through it on the wall. <laughs> so um, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. So we talked about relationships. In a relationship here, most relationships in the big circle are casual. Then when you can, when you get here, they can be uh, more close. But then we saw yesterday, these relationships here can be a confidant, like a, a confidential, right? And I believe this is a big, big, big part of what we're missing here in, in our church culture. For a safe place, for someone to say, I, my marriage has got some cracks in it, or man, I'm struggling with selfishness, or I, get, I lose my temper so much, or I'm addicted to pornography, or so after time, it's not going to happen in 10 weeks. It's just not. It's not going to happen in probably 20 weeks. It takes time, as you're going to see. I'll, I'll show you how the tools are designed. Again, soccer mom Sally, how do we get her to this? Not how do we get her just using the tools. Who cares, right? How do we get her to that depth? And this is all part of, you'll see the kind of the big design of it, right? When it comes to, to so there's the relational side, and then there's the content side. In the content side, um, in usually in the um, uh, big circle, it's common. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is how Jesus is preaching. Just like we do when we get on Sunday morning. We get on Sunday morning, we got people searching for God, looking for God, exploring who He is. We got people that just came to Christ. We got people that came to Christ five years ago. And I got people in the room that came to Christ longer than I came to Christ, you know? So as a, as a preacher, you're trying to, you know, not be over the heads of somebody new or then get it. And you're not being so simple with the, you know, with the seasoned folks. And so same thing here. When you come here, this, this can be more concentrated, or sometimes I'll say clear, because it's got to start with a C, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we're preachers. So um, it can be more concentrated. Hey, Jesus, could you explain that parable that you preached about on the, ser you know, on the, on the sermon you did just a few days ago? I didn't quite get it. So here in a group, with the content, we can like, hey, let's concentrate a little bit. Let's do a Bible study. Let's do something a little bit more than we can do on Sunday morning, okay? Here's the key. Put on your goggles. Watch this. This is a beauty of one-to-one. -one. This can be customized. I have two sons. One's a sophomore at Florida State University and one's a senior in high school. 
um, they surpassed dad's ability to help with homework many years ago. <laughs> so, you know, they would say, so dad, is the integer, I'm like, stop right there. <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> you bet, man. So, um, so what we would do is, guess who we would hire? A tutor. So our boys are regular boys, you know, they're not academics, but they're regular boys, make decent grades and all that. So they're not super excited about, you know, a tutor and all that jazz. But what they would do is they would freak out here in the group, in the classroom, or even probably this is more of a, you know, classroom of 30. And, and now here comes the test on Thursday. Dad, I'm going to tank. I just, I, man, I'm in chemistry. I am going to tank. I'm like, hey, how about we call you know, Mrs. Ilbert? Oh, okay, that'd be great. I'm like, wow, they're really excited about it, right? They would come out of a session with their tutor beaming, not academics. These are not scholars we're talking about. Beaming, because they say, I get it. And they'd ace the test. And they find, there's so many people sitting in our group, our groups and our churches, that everybody else looks like they got their act together right? And so we can come here and we can say, hey, let me customize that just like Jesus did at the women of the well. Hey, let's talk about your history with men. Well, he wasn't talking to that Nicodemus. <laughs> he wasn't talking to that with Martha. Martha, girl, you're overloaded. You know, you, you could have microwaved some, but you had to do the turkey dinner. <laughs> so, that was customized to her. Nicodemus, you're a leader of Israel and you don't understand the movement of the Holy Spirit? Wow. Peter, forget the crowd, okay? Forget the rest of the guys. I'm asking you, Peter, will you love me more than these? You see, when you begin to see it through those lenses, like, dude, he had a lot of customized conversation. So when we, in our next session, we're going to talk about how do we bring this off the page? So I'll give you a little taste. When we talk about the resurrection, we have in every session what we call labs. And this is our, I'm just giving you a little appetizer for our next session because um, we talk about how to, how to overcome uh, information transfer. So we would say, hey, the guy I'm disciple, his name is Dave. Hey, Dave, you, remember, you know that cemetery on 41 in Clark? We're going to meet you there this time when we have our session. They never know what we're going to do, where we're going to meet, what we're going to do. And uh, we walk in the cemetery, and we're talking, we're having conversation about the content that they've read. So it's not like, hey, Dave, would you put on question one? We're trying to get in the marketplace. It's like Jesus was thinking about this. He could have taken those thousands of people and fed them himself, but he gave them the baskets and said, watch this, <laughs> right? And they're like, okay, I only got two left. Well, I got 12 left, okay? Whoa, I got 18 left. They were experiencing the lab as they were, as he was getting ready to teach, right? So we're walking in the cemetery and, um, and we're just kind of talking, talking about the resurrection, talking about the, the session, you know, we're, and we'll talk about how to do that. But, and then we come across this, um, this little corner in the graveyard that has infants buried. And he starts to tear up. And I explained to him, you have to be vulnerable as a disciple maker. I explained to him, like, man, we were so excited when we moved to Sarasota. My brother was here. My parents were moving in. My wife and I moved in. It's the first time in 30 years we've ever been together. And uh, two weeks in, my dad and my mom were in a car accident. My dad was killed. And uh, I, I still, I was super close to my dad. I still get moved. You can see, right? But I'm opening him up and taking that wall of, because we're talking, we're living the resurrection. It's not a concept in a book. He's tearing up with this, this kid's area. I'm like, hey, what's, what, what's the trigger? Why are you, why are you, he said, when I was five, my two-year-old sister died. I said, what'd that do to your mom? She goes, she was missing emotionally, MIA, for a decade. So we began just to unfold. I'm like, hey, what's the resurrection mean to you? See, this is impossible. I love my group. I'm in a group. I love my group, not anti-group. Say it over and over. But that conversation is impossible here. It's impossible to get that, that specified, that personalized, that customized. And so what we're doing is, so when you look at this list, like, okay, it looks, 
you know, normal. But man, it's is we we like how do we how do we always do that? Not the information. Okay, so uh, it's hard to to capture that. So there the so let me show you the overall design. And this is so again. How do we not only disciple and have life change in Sally, but how do we get her to become excited about turning around and investing in others? We all know our church culture tends to be consumeristic, right? And so how do we not add to that problem by just giving Sally more information? And now she thinks she's a disciple and a follower of Christ because she knows more. God forgive us for that. Right. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking that we've made disciples by more information. So so if you take these uh, books, zero, one, two and three, this is this is how we get over 80 percent, I think, in disciple and our disciples. So each of these has six sessions. Right. And we suggest highly, strongly that you don't do them every week. Right. So if you do every other week. It's going to be 12 weeks per module, just like that, 12 weeks per module. Now, people do get sick. People go on vacations. People can't make it this week and all those types of things. And here's another beauty of one-to-one. You can need a bigger room next time. Please. <laughs> here's the beauty of one-to-one that you, that, um, you can hover as long as you want. In a group, there's kind of a, an inertia, right? Hey, we got to move on. So let's, let's say this is math class, and uh, you know, me and Jake, we're we're kind of struggling with multiplication, and she's I'm talking about multiplication, and everybody's like, got it, you know, 17 times 18 is 149, whatever it is. <laughs> And they got the chart, you know, and all that. But we're inwardly, we're like, we're not going to raise our hand because everybody looks like they're getting it. Now the teacher says these haunting words. Let's now move on to division since most of you seem like you get it, right? Like, no, right? <laughs> and so we're like, we're, we're, we're struggling with this. And so um, what happens then is that we, we get left behind. Now the teacher can't say, Hey, now, Jake and Steve, they're struggling with just a little shade, you know, on this multiplication. So the rest of you have it. So we're going to hold up for these guys. I don't know, probably take us about 12 weeks, 12 <laughs> more weeks right, to get it. Same thing in a group. Um, I've been in this men's group. You know, I don't lead it in my church. 10, 12 guys. Love it. We do hard stuff, you know, climb walls and run till we vomit and all of that. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the oldest and the, the weakest. It's a good lesson of humility. And so uh, a lot of like, hey, I'll catch up with you later, you know. So, so but we, we pride ourselves on being transparent. There's a Hebrew word for that, fooey. <laughs> and so some guys will say, they'll bring it to the group, hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. Um, but how long can you do that, right? So the beauty of this is that sometimes I had a guy that, you know, our tools would normally take, as I'll show you. So let's say nobody takes vacation, no hovering, blah, 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 blah. So this is 24 weeks. This is 24 weeks. Well, 26 would be a half a year, right? So this is basically six months, and this is six months. A lot of people freak out right there. Like, wow. Well, I'll just remind you that Jesus didn't come down for a weekend seminar. <laughs> Three and a half years. You know, Colossians chapter one, he made everything, including us, and he understands the psyche. So I'm now I'm gonna beg you. I beg you to understand and to embrace the fact that certain things in life cannot be sped up. And this is one of them. Now you can speed these things up, right? Let's, let's get around the baseball diamond. We can do that, but not this. We've learned this, by the way. Uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to you know, inject some steroids into chickens and make them grow faster, bigger. That didn't turn out great. <laughs> or genetically modify our produce to make it bigger, faster. That didn't turn out great. So you can't genetically modify or put steroids into relationships. You've got to wait 
You've got to wait. It takes time. And so, um, when, so we're, we're slowing down on purpose. So you could do the whole deal in 24 weeks. And trust me, we have type A's that they, they want to. On to the next one. On the, but I'm telling you, here's the deal. Here's what happens. And here's part of the design, right? So when you come to the six-month mark, I can't explain it. But something has happened. Enough time, uh, the Holy Spirit, and tools that are designed specifically for tearing down that wall of Adam. When we both, when Dave and I both wept in the, in the cemetery, the wall of Adam came down that much. And then when we did it again, it came down that much. And when we did it again, it came down that much. And when we did it again, it came down that much. It takes time to chisel that old wall. It's been up for a long time. And so when we finally get to here, this is what I feel when I'm <laughs> discipling another guy. I'm like, now we're starting. Now we're starting. What we were doing here is a lot of chiseling, but now, we, not with everybody. And you don't have to, don't, you know, people freak out like, oh, I got to tell them what I, you know, you know sin, what sin I had last week. No, you just let it flow as it's going to flow. I've had different personalities. Some are a little more closed. Some are more open. The guy I'm with right now just happens to be super open. And, uh, you know, so it's beautiful. But here's what we do. So, in the zero, so for each of these modules, six sessions in each, we have a disciple maker book and a disciple book. And that disciple maker book has, they're pretty much the same, except you have a disciple maker guide. I'm going to show you this in just a second. And people around the world say, thank you for the guide. Now, so I'll explain that a little bit different. Disciple maker, disciple. Second book, which is book Thank you. You're better than my church. Uh, disciple maker, disciple. But now we've been together for six months. And here's why I believe we have our, what helps in having over 80% disciple makers. When we get to book two, we are no longer have a disciple book. We're now going to be iron sharpening iron. Here's why. So I told some of you yesterday, uh, when I came to Christ, I was studying in a really high-level classical music school in Boston and uh, con uh, as a concert pianist and did that for a number of years. So something really crazy happened to me. So um, I actually have my doctorate degree in, in piano. Uh, for many, many years, I practiced eight hours a day, uh, 364 days a year. I took Christmas Day off. So when you're playing at the big leagues, you have to, that's the life that you live. So I had teachers from six years old for 25 years uh, every week. And so a teacher, student, teacher, student for a quarter of a decade. This was a phenomenon for me. When I went to do my first professional concert, I was lost. I had become codependent on somebody looking over my shoulder saying, you know, you missed the F sharp on page three. You're overpedaling. You're rushing the end. You're, you know, all this instruction just all the time, and I became codependent on this. So when I created the tools, I'm like, how do we not do that? Because it's one of the number one arguments about one-to-one -one that the person gets codependent on the disciple maker, and then it's, their inadequacy is further baked in. Like, oh, I can never do this like, you know, Pastor Steve, because he's, you know, the guru of all disciple makers. I am not the best disciple maker in my church, by the way. We have others. I'm like, dude, that guy knocks it out of the park. So... It doesn't matter, by the way. You know, if you think, I'm, if you got people in, in your church or you that, like, I'm not going to be the best disciple maker. Oh, well, then you're an exemption to the Great Commission. <laughs> Trying to find that one. But so, <laughs> so at any rate, so what we said is, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be disciple maker and, dis and disciple maker here. It's iron sharpening iron. And we're going to invite you to now speak into my life. And now we've created tools within there, like personality profiles that you take yourself. I'm a workaholic. It's my Achilles heel. And so I, if I, so there's things in there. How do you get things done? Are you super driven? Are you super relaxed, et cetera? And if I had put relax, because we've known each other now for six months, my, I'm inviting my disciples to say, come on, Steve, you're not relaxed at all. You're type A, right? And so we're, we're making the tools so that they can speak into our lives. Here's why. This is another six months. 
Now what we're doing is creating a muscle in them to speak into somebody else's life. So by the time they get here, you've been doing it. You're ready to roll. If we did this, like my piano experience, all the way, and we say on the last day, hey, Bob, now it's your turn. Not going to happen. Not going to feel inadequate. So that's part of the bigger design of what we're getting at. Does that make sense? So let me uh, kind of come through here So you can, if you want to take a picture. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how we design the overarching design of the tool. Now, let me say another word about this. Fundamental, you know, fundamental foundations, personalized, how to, to put God first. We start fasting together. When was the last intentionality you had that in our church culture? Fasting together, we're talking about giving, first fruits giving, a lot of these things. By the way, you know, what's the percentage of American evangelicals that are willing to give one out of ten apples back to God? Let's call it a tithe. What's the percentage? Does anybody know? What's the percentage of American evangelicals that are willing to give God 10% of, of their income? What's that? 12? 1%? Yeah. 20. So it varies. It varies. But the average, when you take all the numbers, it comes down to 2.5%. Living in the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. 2.5%. It doesn't speak anything to, to finances. It speaks everything to heart. Look at the Macedonians. They were like, hey, we're totally impoverished, but thanks for the privilege. Can we have the privilege of giving? Because <laughs> their heart was right, right? So we have got to say something is broken. So we ran these tools in our church for, let's see, five years. And then we did a survey, an anonymous survey. And I wanted to find out if it's working. I'm the kind of guy, like, if it's not working, let's change it up. So we were asking so they could answer, uh, you know, honestly, because it was anonymous. What's the percentage, uh, you know, how are you guys doing with, you know, your rhythm with God? How are you doing with your, uh, you know, your um, walk with God, your prayer life, your sharing Christ, all these things, you know. One of the measures was, are you willing to give it uh, joyfully and thankfully give a tithe back to God? So at 3%, let's say, you know, we'll round it up, 3%, I'll put it right here, 3%. We're, our church is not in debt. We've never been in debt. We rent a warehouse, blah, blah, blah. So it's, not, so it's not financially driven. But from a heart point of view, I'm like, man, if we could double the national average, if 6% of our congregation, our church, would you know, be, have a heart to give, I'm like, man, that'd be thrilling. Not because of the finances, just because, wow, the needle is moving. And so if it were 9%, that'd be awesome. 12% would be unbelievable. But it wasn't 12, it wasn't 9, it wasn't 6 it was actually 37. Yeah. Now, it's been a while since we've taken the survey. you got new people coming in, you know, so this number. But at the time, I'm like, man, something is happening. And I would say that you know, our executive pastor is here, Eric Williams, um, served in a large church here in Tennessee. I would say our budget is for the size of our church, about 700 or so folk, is uh, different than many places. Again, I served in a 5,000 member church. So why do I say that? Because when you get here, you can customize the conversation. When you talk about giving and tithing on a Sunday morning, how many of you ever had somebody raise their hand like, you know, I'm not buying that. Didn't work, right? But he, even in a group, because nobody wants to say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in giving back. But here at this circle, man, you can say, hey, let's talk about it. Let's dig down and let's wrestle with this. And um, my mom, who went to be with the Lord last October, man, she, she had a disciple that, um, that man, they, they hovered over this because it was such a heart issue. So super amazing um, at that level. All right. So here, let me give you, let me, uh, and Eric, maybe if you can, I've made a sample book. I do need to get these back because um, I have another session, and uh, so. But I just want you to get a, just a little peek at uh, at some of these, just to give you an idea. So, number one, we're we're making some space for soccer, soccer mom Sally by doing this every other week. Even if you don't do your groups every other week, I still say do this every other week, so so that you give her. Uh, I'm gonna grab one from you down the top. Um, thanks. So. Um, if, if I might ask you, don't 
thumb through the whole book. I, I, this is why I don't ever hand out handouts at the beginning of any session. <laughs> so quit looking at page 14. We're on two. <laughs> so if, as you get them, turn to page two. And so you're going to see this. Here's, our, here's kind of our approach. So number one, we're trying to um, put a rhythm where Sally can do it. So this is how do you get every people. Let's go back to the topic of our session. How do you get soccer mom Sally here? Not just to be involved in the soccer mom making, but how do you get her here? Okay, number one, we're going to make a rhythm that's doable for her. Um, number two, we're going to personalize all these sessions so that, so that it's designed specifically for her. Okay, here's the third way. So we have a coach, you have the content, and then when you come together, it's the conversation. It's that simple. Let me talk to you about the coach. So, in, so let's say we're going to have new disciple maker class at our church. You've never done this before. Come to the class, and we're going to spend three hours at a class. Guess what? She now feels more inadequate because you just downloaded so much information. So what we said is like, hey, let's not have a huge big training for new disciple makers and give them loads of information. In our next session, you'll see that we only remember 20% of what we hear. So what we said is, what if we put bite-sized coaches along the way? We call them guides. So for every single session, there's a, there's a two-page guide for the disciple maker that says, hey, here's what to look out for. Be careful about this. Here's what the focus of the chapter is about. Here's what the lab is, because the disciple doesn't see the lab. And here's some things to pray specifically with this content for your disciple. So we're kind of laying it out. So let me give you an, uh, an example. So if you turn to page four, this is what a disciple maker guide looks like. This is our coach. Every session has one. We've had, so our tools, um, when, you know, as Americans, to be honest with you, we're pretty highly, uh, analytical. <laughs> Americans are the toughest sell. Um, so when we're like, when all the questions about what if, well, how about, well, what if this happened, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I typically will show up, you know, some villages in the most remote areas of the world and say, let's just relax and do it, you know. And so we've had many people around the world say, hey, thanks for the guide, because we feel that if our tools are not plug and play, we've really failed. So this you know, we send ship books out and like they pick them up. Oh, gotcha. Okay, here's what it's about. Great. And we're turning the page and we're ready to go. So this is our effort to get Sally to be more confident. You can do it. Just read. Here's what you're going to focus on. Here's a word of advice. Hey, heads up for this. Like we talk about the Trinity in the first session. We've Nobody has fully understood the Trinity for centuries. You're not either. So Sally's not going to either. So chill out. <laughs> Um, so, so we, uh, we'll talk about story starters next time. We journal, we, how to get past information transfer, blah, blah, blah. And so that's the guy. If you turn to page six, both the disciple maker and disciple have this two page, never more than two pages. Soccer mom, Sally didn't have a lot of time to read. Never more than two pages to read. We say it's short, but not shallow. Nothing is shallow. We, we believe in digging deep and going, but it doesn't have to be 14 pages to read, right? And then if you turn the page, there's also a, a study sheet. We want to get the muscle built and having Sally start to study right away on her own. Then when we come together, and you'll see there's a place to journal, we talk about that in the next session. So that's it. Every chapter looks this way. So when they see the next one, oh, okay. So we find that after about two or three sessions, they're like, I got this. That is a glorious moment. I love that moment when they're like, oh, I can do it. Yes, you can do it. Jesus wouldn't have asked you to do it if it was impossible, if it was pole vaulting to get there, right? So, so it literally is, is plug and play, okay? All right. If you turn to page um, 10, this is the disciple guide. So that's the only difference in the disciple books and the disciple making books, right? You have a disciple maker uh, guide. For the disciple maker, you got a disciple guide for the disciple. Otherwise, the introductions are the same, the content are the same. So I'm going to meet Jake next Thursday. I'm going, hey man, why don't you read your stuff? I always say it's going to take you about you know 20 minutes, but I'm like, I wouldn't suggest you read it every day like a devotional and really dig. And you're going to see something different. Then when we get together, we're just going to have a conversation. And so when we get together, we have a conversation. Some of those, some there may be some things in the worksheet. I'm like, hey, where'd you put for that? But I. I forbid you to say, what'd you put on question one? 
Would you put on question two? I will find you and slap the spit out of your mouth. <laughs> it's not, we don't, we're trying to get away from that. So sometimes we're like, hey, what, what'd you learn? What'd you learn about yourself? What'd you learn about God? You know, what'd you, what, what was challenging? What's God asking you to do? Just all those organic questions, right? Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, all right? If you'll turn to page, uh, ready? Page 16. 16. This begins book two, which is the third book, when I talked about a relational assessment. We begin to assess ourselves, just to give you a, a flavor of what that was. By the way, um, you can go on our website, smallcircle.com, and these are the, the entire enchilada is downloadable, PDFs, no charge. So you just go on there. It lists all the languages that we're in. You can download it in Arabic or Spanish or whatever. You can download it, uh, all the tools there. The last session we do, our fourth session, is about the mobile app. So all that you're seeing is also in a mobile app. There's no cost to the mobile app. Um, I'm not an ebook reader, but I will tell you, I used the mobile app one time, like I will never go back. It, what we're talking about, Soccer Mom Sally, it takes it to a new level. There are things that you can do in the mobile app that are like pretty darn cool. So that's our, our fourth session. All right, take a look then, if you would, at page 26. So we ran this in our church for uh, a couple of years. And I began to ask, is exchange too heavy for a brand new believer? And so the answer kept coming back, yes, it, it's uh, too heavy for a brand new believer, all the assignments and this, that, and the other. So I'm like, okay, let's make a tool for brand spanking new believers. So we do, the, we call it next. You'll see in the upper left corner, um, it starts with zero one. And so the, the topics are super, super simple. Your new identity in Christ how to begin to read the Bible, how to begin to pray, the importance of believers' baptism, who is the Holy Spirit at the most basic levels. What do you do when you're tempted? God's going to love you no matter what, even if you blow it. How to begin to share your testimony, your story. What's the importance of the local church, a community of believers? Why does God ask us to serve? And then how do you determine the common will of God, you know, the, just the, what God wants you to do? We have really found this helpful. Now, we break the rhythm. Where I, where I really propose that we do this every other week, we don't with new believers. It's bite-sized pieces. It's not a lot of um, you know, homework, assignments, etc. And babies need more frequent feeding. So if you do this as, as it is, you'll, you'll do it in about three or four months. And then you would be ready for a, you know, to, to go into exchange. Let me just say, anybody know what the percentage of those uh, American evangelicals who have ever been discipled? 1%. So, in my experience, um, my primary, I'm discipling believers, uh, seasoned believers, because I want them to get the experience and become disciple makers. Some have discipled new believers, right? So, what I'm saying is, you don't have to start with next. You know, so if, if you're, a guy's been in your church for 14 years, great, start with exchange. He doesn't need this, right? So it really is an option to that, okay? So I hope that kind of gives you, I know I'm moving pretty quick, but it kind of gives you an overview of how we get Soccer Mom Sally, not only at that table for two, to make her feel confident, but how to get her to that small circle. Our next session will be all about how do we bring the off the, uh, the page the words off the page it's one of my favorite sessions we talk about the labs so we're going to do some labs together and uh, that is the secret sauce of these tools um, how do you how and it's what people talk about all over the world it's the labs and uh, it really brings it to life so we'll have fun with that okay hey thanks again for being here hope to see you in the next session if you if that's your choice thank you father so much for these uh, these times that we have to really stretch our minds, open our minds. And God, today we pray that if our heart is not broken for Soccer Mom Sally, pray you'll adjust that. Help us to really be empathetic and compassionate for the people we shepherd, the everyday people who have kids and activities and homeworks and jobs and hardships, and help us to make a way for them to be obedient and live in rhythm and the excitement of the Great Commission. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the episode, but also I hope that you walked away with some practical things that you can start doing at your church to help create that disciple-making culture there because it's desperately needed everywhere. All right, make sure to check out smallcircle.com to go get those tools. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you would click subscribe on this channel so you can stay up to date each time that I release new episodes throughout the year. All right, have a great day and I hope to catch you on the next one. See ya.